Thank you for joining us for this episode. Today, we're speaking with Dr. Elise Kramer on how to become a contact lens specialist, particularly in the areas of scleral lenses and myopia management on the Optometric Insight Show. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Optometric Insight Show. Again, we're with Dr. Elise Kramer from Miami, and we're going to be talking a little bit about, uh, about contact lens education and uh, some incredible resources uh, for how we can learn to become better contact lens fitters. Uh, one of the really cool things about Dr. Kramer is she's dedicated a substantial percentage of her time helping doctors to become contact lens fitters. And if you've ever heard her lecture, you know that uh, you know she she really leaves it on the table and helps people with case examples and and, and other things. But she's also dedicated herself to help other practitioners be better educators as well. So again, thank you for joining us for this episode, Dr. Kramer. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to yeah. be here. Well, so you you've incorporated a large part of your uh, a large part of your life uh, to other doctors and helping them learn. What kind of got you interested in the educational world of contact lenses? Because you're in the exam room, right? You're helping your own patients. What made you start thinking outside the box? I just think that um, there's so much to say, and I love teaching. I love being able to help people. And I just think that a lot of this was kind of natural for me in a way. And there are so many people who were there helping me when I was starting. And mm -hmm. I just want to give back and help people as well get started or, or advance. And I love that, you know, people, we share the same passion. And I think there's so many people out there that we can help and make a difference that the more people know and the more people start doing this, um, the more patients we can help. And that's ultimately why we're doing this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, a, a good friend and colleague of yours, Dr. Stephanie Wu, was on the show. And we were just kind of talking about the small world of contact lenses. I'll leave a link in the show notes for that, that episode. But you and her have worked together on a lot of things. And I think it's really cool to see how our profession is so small, but yet it allows us to reach out to a lot of different people. Yeah. And Stephanie Wu and I are really good friends. And we just bounce ideas off each other. We learn from each other. We talk all the time. And she's like my, the West Coast version of me. That's what I call her because we have like such similar, well, also different, but very similar, at least mindset and, and type of practice and the type of people that we're helping that we learn so much from each other just by having a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. So Dr. Wu is in Las Vegas and your practice is in Miami. Yeah. So you both have been really, really impactful and instrumental in the Scleral Lens Education Society. Talk a little, share, share with our, our listeners a little bit more about the Scleral Lens Education Society and, you know, what are some of the initiatives and the things that you're trying to do? Yeah, so the Scleral Lens Education Society is a non-for-profit organization that is, exists in order to help educate practitioners and patients about scleral lenses and so what we're trying to do and it's an international society meaning we have mm -hmm. members and fellows from all over the world and these members are uh, basically membership is free and just by becoming a member you have access to so many different resources webinars 
archived um, events, things like that. And it's just a wealth of information for both practitioners and patients. You can be a patient and look up online who you're looking for to help fit you with scleral lenses. And you'll find so many amazing practitioners up there. And just for us, let's say, let's say I wanted to find a practitioner in Las Vegas and I would find Dr. Wu up there. You know what I mean? It's a great way. It's not just that, but also the amount of education that we provide. So we provide workshops, webinars, at, you know, at different events, and we're there to help people become scleral lens practitioners. Yeah. And if you've never taken a part in a uh, scleral lens workshop, it's, it's exactly as it sounds. It gives uh, a little tutorial on how to fit lenses and then it's hands on, you know, Mila and I have been part of these workshops over the years where, you know, maybe we're at the AOA and there's a scleral lens education and then followed that we go to the workshop. And I know you've been really impactful as has Dr. Wu about doing these workshops. Talk a little bit about what happens during a workshop and what attendees usually are walking in and what they are walking out of the workshop. Well, some people are just afraid to manipulate or, or apply mm-hmm. or remove these lenses. And that's one of the things that we kind of break the ice for. Yeah. I think that really just being able to do that and put it on someone else and remove it kind of helps you uh, feel more comfortable doing that on patients. Our goal with these workshops and lectures is that practitioners can right away bring that knowledge over to their practice and start. Some people have just fit sets of scleral lenses that are carrying like gathering dust, you know, for not using them. And this is a way for people to just kind of help with that intimidation and, and just start right away. So that's one thing. And, you know, just like very basic or even advanced complications that you're bound to run into. What are the first things to think of? What are the first things to do? Um, How to get, you know, lab consultants to help you, from the beginning to the end. And I think this is one of the things, the more of it that you do, the better you become. Just like most things, practice makes perfect. Yeah. And that's what we basically help with. Yeah. And, uh, you know, usually in a workshop, you fit two or three patients. You're, you know, you're fitting each other, you're experiencing on your eyes. And that's what I love is that your first patient isn't on your own patient. It's on a colleague and so forth. What are some things that you guys have planned as part of the scleral lens education uh, for the future? What are what are some things and in the expansion that you're doing uh, as time goes on? So we just started something called the scleral program, which is a program to help students in in, in different um, you know universities throughout the country just and have like scleral lens workshops, which didn't exist before. Yeah. So that's one. But for new practitioners, we are having uh, workshops almost at every major meeting. So the ICSC, Vision by Design, the GSLS, usually we have one as well, Uh, the AOA, the AAO. um, Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, just major meetings. We're always having workshops. We have um, a webinar every single month um, or sometimes two uh, and sometimes in different languages. So, you know, we just try to help everyone we can. Now, if people know you, they may not know that you speak more than one language. You went to school in French. Yes. Uh, you speak, I think, Spanish, right? Oh. You speak English. I, I speak Italian, English, Hebrew, Spanish, French, and Portuguese. <laughs> Just that. That's it, right? Yeah. 
That's phenomenal. That's awesome. So you can do a workshop every night of the week, the same workshop, but do it in different languages every night. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, um, you know, stepping outside of just the Scleral Lens uh, Society, um, tell us a little bit about what you see as some of the futures, some of the things that you're excited about for the future with contact lenses. You know, we've, we've spoken about a lot of different topics with regards to advancements in scleral lenses. You know, we, we could talk about that with, you know, with higher order aberration. We could talk about virtual reality. Like what, what excites you in the world of contact lenses? I think that people are starting to take specialty lenses more seriously now than before. Mm-hmm. There's so many new things available, which is basically going to cater to more and more people. And so I'm, I'm seeing in the future and I hope just a decline in like people going for the one size fits all and nothing against disposable lenses. There are people that this works great for, but there are some people that it doesn't. A lot of people have had refractive surgery. A lot of people have eye conditions. They have dry eye. They shouldn't, may not be comfortable wearing like the one size fits all. And I'm just so glad that there's all these technologies available. So there's more now with dry eye, like you mentioned, higher order aberration for those patients who are just not getting quite that acuity that they're looking for with a scleral lens or another type of lens. Um, orthokeratology, I mean, there's just so many advancements now. And now we know orthokeratology benefits and myopia management. And I'm just, I'm just looking forward to helping so many more people and just stay in contact with them. There's a there was a huge problem with and there still is with contact lens dropout. And I think with these new advancements in technology, we can significantly decrease that because a lot of people really want to stay in contact lenses. They want to, they just physically can't up to a certain point. So I think I'm looking forward to changing that. You know? Yeah. You know, a, a, an analogy that I, that I really like around the world of contact lenses is before Henry Ford invented this, this, this process of, of building automobiles, all of the automobiles that were built in the United States were done on one-offs, right? You would build a car for three or four weeks, you'd sell that, and then you'd sell like five or 10, 15 cars a year. And it was very customized, very personalized, and it was done just for that person. And that's what contact lenses were way back in the day. And then came along the assembly line and the process of developing these cars. And Henry Ford is famous for saying is, you can want, you can you can buy any color car you want as long as it's black. You know the Model <laughs> T was available only in black, and it was just mass produced. And now the common man could go into a automobile, right? That's what was was touted at the time. Um, and now we're at a day and age where people are at some way customizing their own vehicle before it's ordered, right? You're getting your Tesla in this color or that, you're getting this engine or that engine, and you could have your car built a certain way. And so we're starting to standardize, we standardize things, and now we're going to more advanced. And that's how the contact lens world was. We used to develop contact lenses that were unique and just for that, that one person. My grandfather gave me a scleral lens that he fit back in the, you know, the 60s or 70s, uh, that he was fitting, and it was very customized. And then, then we came along with soft disposable lenses, and it was kind of a, as you said, a, almost a one size fits all. And we were able to get this mass group of the of the population in contact lenses that weren't available for them. 
But now we're finding that maybe that doesn't work for everybody. And we're starting to put people into RGPs and scleral lenses. And now we're realizing that a standard scleral lens doesn't work perfectly for everybody. And we're having to advance that even further. And I love that innovation that we're having. So tell us a little bit about higher order aberrations. We spoke with this briefly with Dr. Wu about this, but I'd like to get your take. Where is this going to fit into our practice? Higher order aberration scleral lenses. Yeah, I think this is a great uh, technology. I don't think we're quite quite there yet, but I'm looking forward to it because I do have a lot of patients, for example, keratoconus, those people have vertical coma. And unfortunately, we can't neutralize all of that mm-hmm. with a scleral lens right now. You know, mm-hmm. and there are some technologies available, but I'm excited for this to be available with most, if not all labs, kind of like Hydropeg just kind of like is available yeah. for every lab. And I think that's a great technology too. And I think that this will be wonderful add-on for people who are, you know, they're seeing 2020 on the high contrast Snellen chart, but they may not have exactly the vision that they were hoping for. And it's frustrating. And I've seen a lot of patients frustrated with this. And there's only so much we can do with, you know, sphere and cylinder. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. uh, and, and, you know, changing, you know, uh, basic fitting on, on a scleral lens. So I'm looking forward to having that technology and for it to be available at all labs. Yeah. So, you know, I think we were, we were taught in optometry school that the benefit of a rigid or a scleral lens is to neutralize the front surface of the eye, which for keratoconus patients is where the vast majority of their aberrations are irregularity. And we're able to substantially reduce the aberrations that they have. But, you know, when I was in school and I know, you know, even when you were in school, we didn't really talk a lot about this posterior cornea and the so many of the aberrations that were there without an instrument like a pentacam or uh, something along those lines that you're measuring that posterior surface. You don't you and I don't know how much of the aberration is really there. We've got instruments, you know, even autorefractors today that do aberometry, and we can start to measure some of that aberration that's residual. And it just allows us to start seeing that, you know, if I could just correct, you know, some of that vertical coma, I might be able to get that that patient who's 2025, which, you know, I don't understand why they're 2025. I've neutralized everything on the front surface. Well, it's because of the back surface, right? So I think, you know, for, from a listener standpoint, sometimes we don't always grasp the benefit of that higher order aberration. And it's different. It varies in everyone, you know, and sure. sometimes it is mostly on the front and sometimes it's really not. And, yeah. and I think I'm looking forward to just being able to help those patients with that. Yeah. Yeah. What else? What are you thinking is uh, what is exciting you in your practice right now from a contact lens perspective? Um, let me see. Well, there's a new hybrid lens on the market that is actually out there for normal corneas. Mm -hmm. And I think that's interesting because it's supposed to neutralize the majority of corneal astigmatism and it's available in a multifocal. So I think that's exciting because, you know, there's not that many lenses on the market that are correcting myopia, astigmatism, and presbyopia that are available in many different base curves and diameters to be able to offer kind of a disposable lens that that can correct all of that 
and do it well is something that I think is really exciting. Yeah. Um, other things, just, you know, different customizations available in scleral lenses. So just, you know, toric haptics, quadrant specific haptics um, mm-hmm. are, are always exciting to me. And, and being able to help patients who've had, you know, severe discomfort because of a pinguecula or a bleb and, and being able to modify lenses for those patients. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think you're talking about the Synergize IC lens. Is that correct from the hybrid lens? Yes, exactly. Yeah. And, uh, you know, having done some of the early work, I would echo what you're saying is it's, it's really great to have another opportunity for those toric patients, particularly now, you know, certainly for spherical patients and presbyopic patients too, but those toric presbyopes, it's nice to have something where you're not chasing the cylinder, right? Um, so is, is, is that presbyopic lens, have you had a chance to use it and are you pretty happy so far? I, I have, I've used it on a couple of patients and so far so good. I've yeah. also, um, you, they also have a single vision available. So right. I have been doing it on some kids with like really high, um, cylinder, you know, mm-hmm. instead of just ordering maybe like a, a custom soft lens and try yeah instead so we'll see because if we can neutralize that cylinder that that's pretty yeah. big because it you rely less on rotation in those cases. yeah and, and at least correct me if i'm wrong but i believe their multifocal is a uh, is a distance center and uh so one of the other really cool things is that and i know you do myopia control in your practice is uh, and we may be seeing this in the future is we may have an opportunity with this lens certainly off label to use it for myopia management, right? I believe there are a few studies out there uh, showing a strong evidence that it does work. I'm just waiting to maybe get a little bit more evidence before replacing. I just got certified with the MySight uh, lens last mm-hmm. year. I've been using that. Um, but obviously for those patients with cylinders, it would be a really great option. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It could be a game changer, particularly for those minus five, minus two yeah. cylinder patients who are progressing in their myopia, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I know you do orthokeratology a little bit in your practice as well, correct? Correct. I do. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that I find so many people are concerned about is how challenging orthokeratology can be. Talk to us how you position OrthoK, you know, in, in the context of myopia management in your practice. Is it something that you do uh, quite a bit of, or do you lean towards soft multifocals or where do you position? I lean toward whatever the patient like kind of wants. I I don't have a preference because I find all treatments can work really well in specific. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I think my preference if I had to choose for myself would be orthokay because you have that visual freedom during the day. But some patients are afraid to wear contact lenses, especially if they're young. And I had, for example, a child today that was 13, and we did atrophy because he, he just didn't want to do contacts yet. And until mm-hmm. they feel ready, it's just not a good idea. Yeah. But um, I think orthokeratology, again, it's, it's kind of a practice makes perfect type of situation in which you just have to do it more and get comfortable with it. I recommend working with one or two labs that you have a good relationship yeah. with. Um, one thing that I, I think is really interesting is is deciding a lot of these patients do have cylinder, 
you have corneal astigmatism and you have to figure out what type of astigmatism it is. Is it limbus to limbus or is it more central? And that will help decide what type of design you need. Mm-hmm. And topography is really, really useful in those cases. Sure. Um, but it's a really, really interesting um, modality. And also I was just reading over the weekend some interesting evidence that they're now talking about multifocal orthokay for mm-hmm. myopic management, which is like an added benefit. I don't know how strong the evidence is yet, but I'm excited for that too. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's really cool. You know, you bring up about the practice makes perfect and so forth. Um, and, and, and the more we do it, the more comfortable I've felt. I've been doing it for 15 years and I continue to get more and more comfortable. But I, I want to remind our listeners that there is a, a study, and uh, I'll see if I can link, put a link in the uh, in description, uh, that's called the SMART study. And it was a study that was done by 10 practitioners. Eight of them had never fit this particular brand of orthokeratology lens. And in addition to the, the year or two or three-year data showing that they slowed down the progression of myopia by about 50%, some really interesting things came out of this particular study, and it's an empirically fit lens utilizing HVID, Ks, and RX. And what they found is that the practitioners were successful with the first set of lenses 80% of the time. So they didn't even have to order a second pair of lenses 80% of the time. And, you know, I don't know about you, but I'm a contact lens specialist and I'm rarely successful with my first set of lenses with sclerals, soft multifocals, 80% of the time. So it just kind of went to show us that maybe people are positioning orthokeratology as being a lot harder than it needs to be. And maybe we need to get our feet wet a little bit sooner. I agree. Would you agree? Absolutely. I love that. And I just think with so many kids developing and progressing in myopia now, I think people really should be doing orthokeratology. I I even think it should be standard of care if possible. I'm hoping for that because I just think, um, you know, it's a worldwide epidemic is it and it's growing, you know, more and more myopic kids, especially now with this other epidemic um, and kids being home and on their computers all day. And I just think it's absolutely necessary to do some sort of myopia management, if not at least refer to someone who does. But yeah, yeah I encourage everyone to get their feet wet with ortho As you mentioned, 80, I think even 85% um, chance of success on the first dispense. I mean, what yeah. more do you want? You know, that's right. Yeah. Well, I love talking with you. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Uh, <laughs> hopefully we'll be able to have you back again sometime. I'd love to. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Well, thank you everyone for joining us for this episode of the Optometric Insights Show. Make sure to subscribe, like, and feel free to leave comments down below. Uh, As Dr. Kramer had mentioned, uh, there's a couple of great resources available, and we'll include those in the show notes, as well as any other resources that we can provide for you. Again, thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time on the Optometric Insights Show. (music) 